Welcome back to Nothing Even Matters with Colby and Ken. Today is another fun episode because we have a special guest and she lives with me, which is super exciting. But on round three of Colby's housemates. I think we're just gonna go through the whole house eventually. But today we have Caitlin Carmichael. Yeah. (laughs) Nice to meet you, Caitlin. (laughs) Nice to meet you. I'm so excited to be here. I do in Did y'all know each other? No, we've met like in passing. Right. At the house. Right. Of course. Never like sat down and picked her brain so i'm yeah. excited for this episode mm-hmm. yeah very excited i have a question today for you both okay um and maybe this will kind of tie into how you know each other because again besides living together what's one of your favorite college memories you've had so far i guess i'll go my favorite this sounds kind of cliche if you go to carolina but last year when we went, uh, beat duke and went to the final four oh, yeah me and caitlin were watching it together at this watch party and the first time I thought we were going to win when we were beating Duke, but no one really thought we were going to win. So <laughs> midway through, we're like, wait, we're going to be rushing. We have to like go together and like, don't leave me. <laughs> so me and Caitlin rushed Franklin together and it was so much fun. And I think about it all the time. Oh, I love that. Rushing yeah. is intimidating. It is. Mm-hmm. It's like Astral World. It's like people are setting <laughs> things on fire and like jumping over and, yeah. but it's fun. What about you, Caitlin? Is that your fave? It's definitely up there. I would say... Mm, I would have to echo that just because that's one of those memories. So Colby and I both grew up Carolina, you know, born Tar Heel, dead. born, bred, dead. Yeah. Exactly. Love that. And for both of us, even before we rushed Franklin Street, the whole thing was like, I've been waiting my whole life to do yeah, this. Oh, I like that. And COVID freshman year, it didn't happen. I mean, for some, but I didn't rush. And then Sophomore year, I was like, okay, it's our time. Mm-hmm. And we were both so into it. And yeah, when it happened, I will say the first time was better yeah. than the second time because the second time it was so, we were like on the perimeter and I got pushed against a wall mm-hmm. because this couple. They were like were, making out on us. Literally. <laughs> it was not. Possible. I was pushed I in this PDA. corner and they were just going I at hate it. hate PDA. Ugh, my skin's crawling now. <laughs> And I didn't even get to jump over a fire. That's my next yeah. Franklin Street rush goal. Oh, maybe 2026. Yeah. We did jump over. We did jump over throw up though. Remember? Oh the yeah. Traffic cone? Yes. Somebody, there, somebody threw up and they put a traffic cone over the throw up. Someone fell off a tree and broke their leg. I don't know if y'all saw that too. Oh. Oh. <laughs> You're both like oh. So much is happening. Wait, yeah. Kendall, what's your favorite college memory? Um, this year going to Las Vegas for the NIT will be so much fun. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, I was like, where? <laughs> I'm like, where is she going? I'm to kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I've, I've, again, Dookie is probably like the best. Rushing is super fun. I like the mundane things. Like when you just wake up and like you have a good day, you walk, you get your coffee. It's bright. Like springtime in Chapel Hill is yes. just unreal. It's insane. Take away the pollen and it's like the best season. I didn't even like spring until I came Same. here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to be a spring Literally. hater, but this is just like the most beautiful, like you can see God moving on campus. I don't know what, like mm-hmm. people are happy again. I'm like, wow, like seasonal depression's over. So mm-hmm. I like spring, but anyways, um, that's super cute. You'll have this friendship memory. Yeah. And I guess that segues into who are you? <laughs> Give mm-hmm. us your tea. Like what's your life story? All the good things. Colby can like prompt you better, but um where should I begin Colby I mean start with your childhood I guess oh well Caitlin I would ask you like where you've lived but Caitlin's lived in a lot of different places and I feel like that's a big part of your story true um so I was born at Rex Hospital 
Um, shout out Rex in Raleigh, North Carolina. And I lived in Cary until I was nine years old. So that's the majority of my childhood in one place. Um, and it's, this is a side note, but it's funny coming to college because I'll run into people from my elementary school at college and it's just so bizarre. <laughs> like it blows my mind. They're a fully grown person and so am I. Um, but so then when I was nine, I moved to Greensboro and I lived there for two years. And then when I was 11, I moved to outside Charlotte, like near Concord. I lived there for one year. And at the age of 12, I moved to Boca Raton, Florida. And then when I was 15, I moved to outside Atlanta. So from the ages of 9 to 15, I moved four times, which was Was it military? Trip. I'm confused. No, no. My dad's job, just different positions and whatnot. Oh, okay, um, cool. So did you enjoy moving or was it a burden to you? Were you like stressed out by it or? I I wouldn't say that it was a burden, like, but I also wouldn't say that it was all easygoing, happy-go-lucky all the time. There were definitely stressful moments. And even as much as I moved, it never got easier to show up to a new school and be the new kid. Um, but I will say that I I don't garner any sort of like resentment about that because my parents were always so intentional and prayerful in the, these decisions, like even saying no sometimes so that we could stay in a place. And when I moved to Georgia, my parents promised me that I would graduate high school there and they kept their promise. Um, so I really in, enjoyed being closer to my family in that way. Like we really had to stick together as a family unit when we were in a new place. We would always move in the summertime so we could get ourselves acquainted before the school year. And uh, that was always some of the sweetest times because it was just me and my family and we did not know anyone. New city, especially when we started moving out of state, um, we would just do the wackiest things together just to be entertained, you know? Um, like the first summer I ever moved, we got really into HGTV. And that's been <laughs> something that has followed our family Flip or flop? Or no. <laughs> you know, I'm not a huge fan of the flip shows. Really? I, to, I They just your, don't do it for me. What was like your a house favorite? hunter girl? Or? Oh, I'm definitely a house hunter girl. Okay, fair enough. I would say first and foremost, Love It or List It. Okay. Oh. Is, there was one Christmas we watched Love It or List It. Like, do you tend for to root hours. for people to love it or to list it? I think that you see people love it more often, mm -hmm. which is interesting because in my head logically I'm like this house is brand new and because when you, you do love it it's not completely renovated there's mm -hmm. some, there's some spaces they haven't touched there's some rooms they don't show you yeah. exactly <laughs> that's a big deal on property brothers as well yes yeah they, they renovate like the kitchen and they're like oh my gosh it's a new yes. home they're like we did the half bathroom you're like yeah. <laughs> you the go back to the master bed bathroom it looks disgusting <laughs> tiles from the 60s I know. Yeah. I feel like Hillary does a lot of work for the budget they give. They're like, hey, True. Hillary, like, can you give us like a three-story mansion? And then she's like, yeah, what's my budget? And then they're it's like, like yeah. <laughs> and their jobs are like not, <laughs> the jobs don't correlate to the salary ever. They're mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, we're dog walkers. Our budget's one million. Yeah. I'm like, what? My favorite, Anyways. <laughs> my favorite Lover Listed trope, this is the last thing I'll say about Lover Listed, but um, <laughs> I just love it. Well, no pun intended, but 
So this thing, they do this thing when the couples are deliberating, specifically after they're given bad news, typically related to like the budget or, oh, the subfloor is like flooded. This is terrible. We need to rework everything. And they'll film the couple like from behind foliage <laughs> as though they don't know they're being filmed. And once you see it, you'll never be able to unsee yeah. it. Like, I'm sitting there and I'm just picturing this cameraman sitting like with a full rig behind a bush outside of this suburban home. And they started filming in like the Raleigh area. They love a good Raleigh. Yeah. Yes. So there's plenty of plenty of foliage in Raleigh. Is there a favorite place you've lived? Oh, I get that question so much. Um, I feel like my go-to answer is where I mainly grew up was in Cary and especially being close to that now. And both my sisters live in Raleigh. So I go, you know, back around that neck of the woods all the time. And it's always so fun. Um, so I would say probably that. But mm -hmm. there's so many things that I loved about each place. Like Las Patas. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Las Patas. Caitlin, it's really funny. She, she mentioned earlier how she always runs into her elementary school friends and she'll come home and tell us. And we've gotten to the point where like, she's like, I have really exciting news. And we're like, did you see someone from elementary school? And she always <laughs> tells us this like long story, but she, you have a favorite sub place yes. in Florida. It's in, uh, there's multiple locations, but there was one in Boca Raton near where I lived and they have the best meatball sub on planet earth. Um, and they also have a really good, so I would alternate between a turkey sub and a meatball sub, but something that my mom would do, there's so many little ways that my mom cares for me, but this is one of, this is a good example. Um, so she would pick up food that I could eat when I was done with dance class in middle school, and she would get me a meatball sub to like eat then, and then she would get like half of a turkey sub so that I could have it for lunch the next day at school. And it was just the best. When I had Las Patas on my lunchbox, <laughs> I felt invincible. It was so good. That's Couldn't cute. tell her nothing. Okay. <laughs> so I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because I'm just like curious. I, can, I haven't heard any of this before. So this is me learning about Caitlin. And so I'm interested. Do you see yourself moving a lot in the future? Do you like find that you can find home in anywhere? Like you said earlier, like home as a people or like, what does that look like in your future? I think that it makes me not scared to move mm -hmm. and it gives me a lot of, um, I guess, flexibility in my mindset versus if I had grown up in one place my whole life, going to college, for example, would have been the biggest deal. <laughs> going, to going to college would have been the biggest deal to me. Um, and it still was a huge moment, but I'm used to moving, being in a new place, adjusting, making a life there. So I think when it comes to post-grad, I'm not intimidated by moving, although I do have preferences. Like I would prefer to be close to my family just because they mean a lot to me. Um, but that being said, if like the Lord takes me to somewhere random like Dallas or New Jersey, I'm like, I mean, <laughs> I'm open, you know. New Jersey, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jersey Shore, who knows? <laughs> Let's abolish that too. They're making a new season, and I'm just. I've never watched that. Neither have I. But like, it's some you know, it's like a commonly known. You know, yeah. everyone knows Snooki. I'm right. tired of seeing her. That's off topic. I don't, sorry. I don't but. see her. Ever. But like, <laughs> like, like, okay. I don't know if y'all have noticed. Like, there's no commercials that are family friendly anymore. Like, you could be watching it's HGTV, true. and a commercial is just like a scene that you don't want to watch, and your dad's there. And you're like, ah, awkward. They're like putting Jersey Shore commercials on every channel now, oh. and I'm just like weird because i don't care about these people but anyways you should mm -hmm. watch the game show network 
It's just consumer <laughs> it was cellular. America says. <laughs> yes, I love the game show. Network. I love the game show network. Chain reaction. Chain, Chain reaction is good. They are so. Sometimes I like get frustrated when they don't get it. I'm like, yo, like I know it's like blocked. I don't know, like whatever the chain is, but. Anyways, okay, great. I love that you have like a very flexible mindset. I feel like that kind of makes you more receptive to when the spirit is moving. You'll be um, quicker to answer because you're not letting your own fear of the, the what if. Like you've been through the what ifs, you know, like you just have to keep it pushing. So that's like a really cool perspective on that for sure. Speaking of post-grad, what are you studying right now? and What are you hoping to do with that? So true. Um, <laughs> I am currently studying business at the Keenan Fogler Business School. Yeah. Smarty. Um, and I am getting a minor in data science. I'm finishing that minor this semester. It's been really cool just to learn how to deal with data, especially like you're given a big block of data and you're, it's like, okay, go. What do you do with this? How do you clean it? How do you how do you use it to answer this question? And I think that's been really cool. Um, but yeah, so I'm studying business. Yeah, business is broad. What do you, what do you love in business? <laughs> I'm concentrating in uh, commercial real estate. Oh, that's mm -hmm. super cool. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, that is super random. <laughs> I think it's funny that we're talking about HGTV because that was when I first started becoming interested in real estate. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do residential really. But it got me interested in the field as a whole. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was applying to the business school, you had the option to apply to the minor in case you didn't get into the major. And there's a real estate minor that I applied to. <laughs> and my essay that I wrote was about HGTV. But <laughs> I brought cool. that to the, the one of my friends was helping me read my application and edit it. And she said, that's not what real estate, like, do you know that that's not really what real estate is? And I'm like, wait huh <laughs> so i've learned a lot about yeah. the industry yeah that's super cool so you want to go into real estate after school is that something you're wanting to do we shall see ask me in a couple months because mm -hmm. i'm doing an internship for commercial real estate okay um mainly just to discern whether or not i enjoy it as a career and yeah but i wouldn't say that i'm dead set on it because I'm not really dead set on anything right yeah. now. Yeah. Did you have any childhood dreams of what you wanted to be when you grew up? My big thing was being a ballerina. Oh, yeah. That I had a conversation with my mom when I was 13. She was driving me home from dance. And I said, Mom, I'm, I'm not going to college. <laughs> and she was like, what are you saying? And... I said, I'm, I'm going to be a ballerina and I won't have time to do college. Like, you understand it's a full-time job. Like, and being, being in a, did you say this like completely seriously? Yes, I can see that. Okay. I was set on it and I was so, that was my dream because I would, I would just idolize all these ballerinas and these really successful dancers and their lifestyle seemed so aspirational and they got to wear these pretty costumes and they got applause every night and of course behind the scenes so much grueling work mm -hmm. sweat agony like pain a lot of that um and I didn't really think about the realities of it until one of my dance teachers I had her for like half of a year but she was so impactful um because she had went 
to she went to these really prestigious schools. She danced for the prestigious companies. Now her career is over. Her career is over by like 35 if you're lucky. And her career is over. She's teaching dance. She's telling us, hey, I've done it. It's not worth it. I would study something else or do something else because it's really not all that you think it is. And no mm-hmm. one had ever told me that. And especially her credibility coming from really important companies. I was like, no way. Mm-hmm. And so then that was at the end of my time in Florida. And when I moved to Georgia, it, I really reassessed my goals. And I was, I think I just want to be a normal kid. I, mm-hmm. I joined marching band. I did, you know, the extracurriculars, like the honor societies and all that. And I still took dance, but it wasn't my, my it's like, it wasn't like a choo-choo train taking me to my dreams. And there was a lot of freedom in that because when I was really pursuing it and going on auditions and all these things, there was a lot of comparison and hurt that came with mm. that because there's certain bodies that are just valued in dance and no matter how hard I try I won't I my genetics like I'm just not built to be real thin and there was a lot of me coming to terms with that throughout my adolescence I was really hard but when I moved to Georgia I found a lot of freedom in that so yeah yeah that's awesome I love that you have that passion for dance and that it was something you really loved. And then you're like, there's probably better for me, even though I still love it. Like Mm -hmm. I can kind of let go of it, you know, yeah, and not hold on to it so tight. But, um, yeah, I love that. Um, is there anything in your life recently that you've, I don't know, been learning or like have had a change of heart on? Like, is there anything you're like, Oh, what if I want to do this in the future? Have you had something like that? Yeah. Um, It's super scary because I think I've been reevaluating a lot what sort of what the treasures are that I'm storing up in my heart. Mm. Um, And every day at the business school, I'm surrounded by people who are ultimately chasing money and security and status and of course that's a generalization i'm sure there are people who are studying business because they genuinely want to make a difference but the overall energy of the business school is um i guess acceleration you're making yourself higher exalting yourself and the lord has done a lot in that because it's uncomfortable for me to put myself out there like that or to want to exalt myself. And of course, my pride exhibits itself in other ways. But when it comes to career, I'm generally not like, oh, if I have, uh, if I don't make this amount of money out of college, then I'm a failure. Um, Because even in class today, someone mentioned, I'm in a business ethics class. And, oh lord <laughs> which is really interesting does that exist yes um it's really valuable because i think that we need to as future business people 
study ethics. <laughs> it's pretty much a no-brainer. Um, we were talking about just general morality and util utilitarianism, consequentialism, these things that we were talking about donating money to charity, basically. And there, we, one of our readings was like, if you everyone, if everyone donated ten percent of their earnings to charity, then the wealth disparity would be basically non-existent. And this one guy brought up the point that most graduates, if they were making fifty-three thousand dollars a year, would be disappointed. But if you are making fifty-three thousand dollars a year, that puts you in the top 1% of wealthy in the world. And so it's it's all a perspective shift. And when you're surrounded by, if it's not six figures, then you're doing it wrong. Then it's just, it's really interesting. That's such yeah. a, sorry. No, you go. That's such an interesting 10%, considering that's what God calls of us to tie. <laughs> it's like, oh, maybe he had a purpose for that the whole time. And just, like, obviously he does, but... I didn't know that statistic, so that puts a lot into perspective of why God God doesn't do anything without meaning, without order for us. But that's all I had to say. Yeah, yeah no, that's interesting. Um, so I'm just going to go into this next part. So I know you went um, to Poland over the summer. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Um, it's interesting because this sort of turmoil and like just conflict that I've been in within myself this year of warring between like should I pursue ministry after college or should I pursue a job like a lot of my head is if I pursue a conventional job then I equate that with selfishness which may not necessarily be true like there's so many ways to work for the glory of the Lord and use your wealth to like advance the advance the kingdom and i've seen examples of that in the church um but also with ministry like it gives me an opportunity to be needy before the lord especially financially which is something that's super valuable to learn um but when i was in poland um it's something that i didn't really expect there's this one moment specifically where I was in this castle where the kings of Poland used to live. Um, most people, the, it's in the city Krakow, but it's like pronounced differently in, in Poland because mm -hmm. obviously it's a different language. Um, but just so everyone will know, Krakow. Um, <laughs> and we were just touring. There was a beautiful cathedral. Um, and we were down in, I guess, the crypt or where the tombs of the kings were. And beside each tomb was a description of their life and what they accomplished. And I was kind of just, you know, not really intentionally thinking and sitting like, wow, this was a king of Poland. Like this was someone of great significance. But to me, just as a tourist, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, mm -hmm. obviously not trying to be disrespectful wasn't like this is so boring but I was just standing before one of these plaques and reading these accomplishments like he made a treaty with this guy he deployed troops to this place da 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 and I'm thinking 
does that really matter in this day and age? All these accomplishments. And so it got me thinking, even if you reach this super high level where you're literally leading a country, 500 years later, your accomplishments are sort of diminished. And of course, there are things in history that are super significant and have very lasting consequences. But in that moment when I was reading these plaques and I'm like, okay, in 15, whatever, he did this. That doesn't mean anything to me now in 21st century. Um, So then I was like, wow, in my life, I am so, it just brought me to this place that like what the Bible says is like, you're like vapor in the wind or you're like grass or you're like dust, something that's so temporary. Um, And I was just really humbled by that because a lot of value is placed specifically in the place that we are in our lives. A lot of value is placed in what you do after you graduate. And a lot of people, myself included, are tempted to think that that's your final destination or the final say of what you do with your life. But so much can happen after graduation. So much can change. So it really just prompted me to be like, what? what am I working towards? What am I working for? What is my life's trajectory going to be? Is it going to be so I can work and have these accomplishments? Maybe if I do make it to the the top of some company or some industry, I couldn't be able, like, I wouldn't be able to tell you who the top real estate moguls are. Maybe that's me being ignorant, but, or even just to the normal person. You don't really care who's at the top of this industry or that industry. Um, So even if I were to reach these great heights, what value does it have, Mm -hmm. truly? And you can't take that with you. Like these kings that I was looking at, they're dead. I mean, sorry to be frank, but (laughs) they they can't be alive anymore. Like, and so that just kind of blew my mind where I'm thinking, I have so little time on this earth. And I can work and I can store up treasures for myself. I won't be able to take them with me. My wealth, anything that I may amass, any relationships, I won't be able to take them with me. Um, But I can store up treasures for myself in heaven where nothing that I store up will perish. And I have an inheritance that is undefiled. Mm. And it's just really... Yeah, it just got me thinking about that. And so right now I'm just thinking through ways of, okay, how can I use my life and my skills to advance the kingdom, whether that's through the workforce or something else? Yeah, that's so interesting. I love that perspective that you have about that. Um, Yeah. So Poland was like very transformative for you, like how you view things now? Yeah. um, I think another thing, that the Lord really did in my heart and that is he's continuing to do um, is bring me to a point of neediness where I truly, it's very difficult to be able to say with your entire soul that you can do nothing apart from Jesus. Like it says in John 15. Um, and that's something that he's continually teaching me. And in Poland, it was, difficult because just day-to-day things were exhausting. Um, going to the grocery store, 
was different. Ordering food was different. And I constantly lived in sort of like a tense state because I'm like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to say. What will people think of me? Will I be able to make friends? Like we're here to meet people. We're here to encourage people. Will the culture be too different where I can't bond with people as well? And the Lord was so clearly showing up for me. Um, And even meeting people, like people who, like the majority of my friends were linguistic students who are very, very well versed in English. And like they were the the friends you made in Poland. Yes. People you went with. Oh, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so I was just waking up every day thinking of what I had to do that day. And I was like, I don't have the strength for this. I don't have the, the fortitude to muscle my way through this because we're we're riding buses, we're taking trams to who knows where. And it it was just so jarring. Um, and I'm sure if you've traveled to a different country for a long time, I was there for six weeks. The adjustment is, it's, it is a shock. Um, but when I was coming home and reflecting on my time there, I sort of missed the neediness that came with being in a foreign country because when you go back to where you're familiar with and the people and the friends that you see, it puts me back in autopilot. And I'm thinking, okay, I know how to do this. I know how to go throughout my day and do everything that I need to do. But before the semester started, I was just praying to the Lord, like, would you help me to depend on you? Would you bring me to a point of need? Um, which is actually, in retrospect, really scary to pray. Yeah, Like, he has answered it in ways I didn't expect and in ways that I wouldn't have chosen for myself. Um, because this year has been emotionally very difficult for me. And there's just been a lot of healing involved. And it's so strange because old hurt is being brought up. Mm. And I'm I'm like, where did this come from? It's so weird. But when I was, um, last week I was sitting with the Lord and uh, he just brought this image of refining to my mind, which I know, I feel like has kind of become a little bit of a cliche, but it just feels so appropriate because at the time, the old hurt was coming back to haunt me. And I'm like, why is this here? Why? And along with new hurt, like, why am I still dealing with this? And why do I feel so helpless? And just the image of refining, like bringing these impurities and these things that are um, plaguing me to the top, like bringing them to the surface so that it can be skimmed away and I can be made like pure and holy and blameless. Um, I'm not like at that point yet, but it's something that's really comforting. And if you're going through something like that, um, I hope that this resonates, uh, just because like mentally I have been going through it and I wasn't able to find like counseling or support, like resources are really strained right now for some reason. And so there was like a month there where I was like, I need to go to counseling but there's no counselor to counsel me. 
And I was so, so beyond frustrated. I couldn't sleep, um, just overthinking everything. And um, the Lord was so near to me in that time. Like there were times when I would step outside of my house and I'm like, I don't want to go to this place. I don't want to see these people because if they say one wrong thing to me, I'll burst into tears Mm. or I'll like, I feel like I'm going to shatter. I just felt so fragile. And there's times that I still feel like that. And so it really does. I'm like, the Lord carried me here. I am here because Jesus is with me and he is walking with me. Mm. Like there's no other way I would be here. And we even had my student ministry had a whole weekend thing um, where we had like a bunch of services and stuff. And Friday night was a really difficult night for me. I felt so alone. I, I felt like rejected, abandoned, all these really hurtful things. And Friday night, I was like just crying on the floor of my room. Like, I can't do this anymore. I can't go back. Because Saturday we had more stuff. I was like, God, I can't go back. I literally cannot get in the car and drive back to Raleigh tomorrow. I can't do it. Um, but he brought me there and it was so good. Um, and that, that is something where I was like, I'm lit. I would never be here if it weren't for the Lord. Um, so it's been really difficult to walk through just battling with mental health, but also knowing that it, that it is an answer prayer and that the Lord is with me. And even in my neediness and in my weakness, his power is made perfect. And I'm still in the process of trying to believe that and like asking the spirit to help me to believe this because right now weakness is hard for me. And I'm in a stage where I don't want to be weak, but I am and I feel really weak and I'm having a hard time seeing how his power is made perfect in that. Um, So if you could pray for me in that, that would be great. But that's something that I'm just still not there yet. Just just to say that I'm not, I've not arrived and I'm not at a point of just, oh, it's all good. Like I was here and now I'm here. No, I'm walking through it still. No, I love that. I love your whole story. Um, And I love that you're so open with that because you're someone who will like share such a rich story like that with people that you're close to. And then the next second, maybe not the next second, but you're like super joyful still. Like you have a lot of joy and you make a lot of people smile and laugh. <laughs> so that's something I really appreciate about you. Yeah. 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 This is like taking me back to Sunday's message. I don't know what happens about this podcast. It has to be some kind of anointing. I don't know. I'm is that like arrogant to say this podcast is anointed, but I don't know. I know my God and I know he's <laughs> I know he's moving because literally like every Sunday I'll go to church and the message is whatever the if we have a guest. The guest will speak on the message that really? I literally heard in church. Yes, I don't understand are gonna, it. Are you going to repeat the entire message? <laughs> and I'm going to bootleg it right now. I am. 1,000%. Because Hallie came and stuck up friendship and all this. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, that's a little bit. Like, it's never, like, a clear cut. It's, like, something, one phrase you'll say. And I'm like, pause. Because that was Sunday's message. <laughs> Naya came. I'm yelling. Sorry. Naya came. I'm just excited. Pardon my passion, I guess. I don't know. Naya came and... She talked about, and it was it was literally just related to like as a deer pants for the water, longs for the water, so my soul longs after you. Oh and she was talking about hunting. Like it's it's not an exact. I know it's a good song, right? <laughs> Psalm forty two is 
top tier. That's another one that I've really been leaning on lately. Yeah. Love. Psalm love 42. It. And then I like I like Tori Kelly's version of when she sings it. Personally, I love Tori Kelly. But and it, like that's just like that verse has been speaking to me. Like, let Lord, like make my soul long for you. Mm-hmm. But then today, let me, let me, you brought a word, Caitlin. You brought a word. <laughs> Psalm 103 was a message and it was talking about healing from sickness. Oh, wait, no, I wish y'all could, I wish we had visuals because, like, Caitlin is freaking This is like out. a connection. I don't know what it is. Something the Lord is Psalm moving. Psalm 103 is an excellent It's song. such an excellent one. Another it, one that I've been reading a lot. <laughs> it just reveals God's character because it yeah. starts off like, we're going to bless the Lord, praise the Lord, all my mm-hmm. soul, like, with all that's within me, bless his holy name. But then it continues and it talks about how he's going to heal you from your diseases. And the diseases can be anything. He actually talked about mental struggles, like this feeling of, being either discontent or being like you're not enough, feeling like you are. He literally mentioned the word fragile in the message. He was like, wow. feel like you just feel like you're on constant edge, like you're always on guard. And he was saying like, but when Jesus moves and we can see it throughout the entire passage, it's a long ish chapter, but like mm-hmm. you can see it where it's like Jesus will. He will always like there is healing on earth or in heaven from whatever you're going through. He will never like deny, like he knows his promise and fulfill it. And even if he doesn't, he is still good because there is no such thing as he's not going to fulfill his promise. And so he was going through the passage. And I'm not going to bootleg it because you know what? I've been going a little bit too regularly. You're going to see my face. Like I, I've finally found a church I like and I stick with it instead of church hopping. <laughs> so I can't like hop, steal, and then like go to the next church next Sunday. True. But I just like, if you're listening to Caitlin and you love her message, first of all, I'm not trying to like put you like on blast, reach out to her, but like, I've loved meeting you um, today and like <laughs> listening to your message and listening to you speak. But Psalm 103 is a good like tying into that. Just God mm-hmm. revealing his character to you. And that ultimately refines you to be like him. If you're seeking, you're longing for him and you want your soul to long for him. Mm-hmm. You cannot. It's like this verse. It's like it's in Chronicles, I think. It's like, can two people be going opposite directions and like still get to the same point? Like you can't be claiming to walk with Christ if you're not going the same direction as him. And we have to be refined from our sin for that. We have to be put in uncomfortable situations where our sin nature is challenged because, I mean, you cannot walk with Christ and still be in the world. And so, and we think that in the world has to be like this crazy, like you're getting blacked out drunk every week. Like the things that you can see in the world can be you're clinging on to your anxiety because it's comfortable. You might be clinging on to your hurt, your past, your shame because it's comfort in that. You don't want to challenge yourself by seeking God and his will. But, um, I say that to say Psalm 103 is a really good, um, a really good kind of tie-in to follow up with what Caitlin spoke on so beautifully today, so eloquently, and I love listening to you. So thank you for joining us. Yeah. yeah. Before we go, there is one point of contention that we haven't. Talked oh, we about haven't yet. addressed it. So are Caitlin, we back to this? Yes. Oh gosh. Just to wrap it up, Caitlin, it has to be said. Caitlin, are you Team LeBron or Team Michael Jordan? I'm Team Michael Jordan all the way. I understand. I understand that he is generally not the most pleasant guy. <laughs> like, I get that. I, But I respect his talent so much. And here's the thing. I've seen the Last Dance documentary. That's a good one. I'll give you that. Eight times. Caitlin, oh. Caitlin's favorite show eight? is the Last Dance documentary. And mm-hmm. we'll come downstairs and sort of just be watching it again. Like mm-hmm. she's seen it multiple times wow. and she's just rewatching it. I fall asleep to it. I like if I if I'm home in the middle of the day <laughs> and I'm just eating lunch, I'm watching the last dance. Like there's yeah. nothing else that I would watch. Wow. Eating my lunch. There's a new Air Jordan movie coming out next month. I've sh- heard. You should go watch. I, I feel like that'd be a good one. Yeah. He literally made Nike. I'm so <laughs> he did. I you know what though? I can take Jordan like the critique from UNC fans mm-hmm. it's the randoms that like want to throw in Kobe Bryant or like Kareem in the conversation like they're not in the conversation like 
we, and everyone's like, well, like different. Gen- there's can only be one grace of all time. Who is it? Michael. <laughs> I'm Team Jordan. I mean Team LeBron. Oh, no, y'all got me slipping. <laughs> got you there. Got you there. No, I'm you heard team- it here first. <laughs> I'm Team LeBron, but I don't think we'll see LeBron being the go until after he retires. I don't think like it's hard when you're in it for yeah. people to realize your greatness. Our kids will be like, LeBron James is the goat. There's no question. Like, there's no one that's gonna come in the next our rest of our lives that can shatter his record. So it's got to be the next. You know. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm team I'm team Ron. I can I can hear the Jordan critique from UNC fans. Okay, UNC fans only. I'm glad we got that out of the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just caught me on a damn tired. Usually I'll bring stats out. I'm sleepy. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I feel like stats. I this I I know it's kind of weird, but arguing using statistics is such a. It's so. I don't like it because I yes, feel like people manipulate I, statistics I a lot. A, I have a thought on this. This is such a data science. I yeah, think, wait, yeah. <laughs> I, really, this is not necessarily about basketball, but when people are having, let's say, a debate or an argument about something, and they're like, well, have you read this study? And it's like, no. Are you going to pull it up in the middle of our conversation, <laughs> let me read it for 30 minutes, analyze it, and then get back to you and be like, well, then here's this study. You need to read it. And then that's not how you have a conversation. That's not how you have a debate. I mean, if it's a debate about studies and facts, that's fine. But I think we should normalize having debates and not having to bring up stats all the time i feel like it's because they bring up such niche studies it's not like they're bringing up something mm. that everyone's heard yeah like a commonly known fact like lebron's all-time score like everyone knows that right it's like have you read this like <laughs> it's like harvard review it's like such a like you have to go like the eighth page of google to find it my old yes. professor wrote like no <laughs> also polls are only like the data based on those who have taken the poll or were polled so it's mm-hmm. like i don't trust polls politically ever because it's like they never match up like of the people that were willing to submit their polls like even the census of people that submitted this is what you think there are. There's not actually the full consensus of people. Mm-hmm. So I hear it. Also, yeah. just to go back, I and mean, we're done. We're I, this is a long episode. I know. I find it so interesting. Every time we have someone like you ask anyone what their major is, and they'll tell you, or like then you ask them what they're passionate about. It's never their major. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is interesting. I was gonna see if you're gonna say like your passion was business or like commercial real estate, and why you're passionate about it. Your passion <laughs> is seeking first the kingdom, which I think is just so. Yeah. It shows who your character, like what your character is, because I don't know if I would ask a lot of the culture at UNC. Yes, some people are like I'm passionate about this or their major or something related to like chasing that success within that realm versus like I love when Christians answer like I'm passionate about my faith or seeking first the kingdom of God or whatever it is. So yeah. I thought it was it, really interesting. It's something that is interesting to me, and I see my major and what I am studying and maybe what I go into as a career, I see that as um, something that I've been equipped with and a skill that I have, mm-hmm. but it's not my identity. Yeah. Um, and I think, especially as post-grad adults, one of the first questions that you're asked is what do you do? Um, and I think that's kind of unfair. I wish that people would ask. I know that's sort of, really hard to get around but there's more to a person than than what they do um but I will say I enjoy my classes I enjoy like I'm excited about my internship this summer Mm -hmm. and um so I enjoy it but it's not my everything yeah yeah no I love how you said that about being equipped because me and Caitlin were so different and I love that because I could never do the things that you do and I feel like you probably wouldn't enjoy the things that I like to do. But with those differences, I think we've both been able to learn from each other. 
I've learned a lot from you. Um, but it's just cool because I know like I was created to do something. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we're kind of created to do the same things, but in different aspects, you know what I'm saying? And so we're going to go different places and impact people in different ways, you know? Mm. It's a reflection yeah. of the body of Christ, the disciples. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Tax collector, chilling with fishermen, like they are not in the same crowd, like, and they all were used to advance the kingdom. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Thank you so much, guys, for listening, guys yeah. and gals. And sorry for saying guys, because this is probably mostly ladies. But if you love the podcast, you should leave us a review. You on should. Apple. Five stars, please. We yeah. Would really we would really it. love that. If you want more people to hear it, share it. Yeah. Yeah. Listen to ads fully through. <laughs> is it on Spotify? Yeah. It is on Spotify. It's, on Spotify it's funny that Apple. you say Apple because you're like an Apple music. Yeah. We, we've talked about And I'm that. an Apple. Yeah. We're Kate, both Apple Caitlin's people. an Apple girl, too. I'm a Spotify person. I just feel like whatever you start with is what you finish yeah, with. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Mm-hmm. But please listen. Please like. Please review. Send us yeah. false on Instagram and send us what you want to hear. We do. Eh, we've been more active lately. <laughs> I was bad about it. But Colby's been killing the Instagram grind. I've done a poll or two up there. So let us know what you want to hear. Yeah. Love you all. Bye. Bye. See you next time. <laughs>